Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, the guys are talking, the accountant. That doesn't sound like Ben Affleck at all, Aaron. It all adds up to me, Abe. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hi. I'm back. Good. You're back. Back from the past. I mean, you scared off our other guests, but you're back. So that's I did. I did. Actually, I didn't. I don't even know what happened. I just told you. I just, I just woke up, and I was just like, wow, I guess that uh, there are no guests. Out Now is a film podcast where <laughs> Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics. Jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 259. 259? 259? Yeah. That sounds like the room that you don't want to go into when you're at a university. It's like, oh, it's in room 259. It's like, nobody goes to that room. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this week we are talking The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck. I have no jokes here, because we're going to wait for the main review. (laughs) And... uh... (laughs) Uh, joining us today from the Newport Beach Film Festival, she always carries the one. It's the lovely Miss Anna Bosch. Good morning. She always carries the one? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, as in, uh, carry the one in math. No, I like that. I like that. At first I was like, carry the one what? Like, the Matrix? This guy over here. Uh, oy. All right. <laughs> you did more math than I did in college. It's so uh, you didn't get that one. <laughs> 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 all right. All of that silliness aside, <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. And I know, like, I'll kind of be in and out, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah. You didn't get a chance to see the accountants, but you mm. you have things to add. I do. Yes, just like the accountant. <laughs> Yes, there are more math jokes coming. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> All right, but before we get to the show here, let's uh, let's do some show notes stuff real quick. Uh, first up, our horror bonus episodes. We've been having a lot of fun doing these. We've had three up so far, one on slasher films, one on monster movies, and most recently on found footage flicks. And uh, so, yeah, we've been uh, doing, a, doing a great job with those, I think. Abe, you've been on every one of them, so that's a great start right there. <laughs> I like how that's like the most accomplishing thing is I've been on every one of them. No, it's been it's been good times. We've we've, we've it has had, been good. We've yeah. had Brandon on each one. I think they've been really fun and informative as far as these different genres we've been going over are concerned. And yeah, our next one will be focused on horror comedies. Um, Can't so yeah, wait for that one either. It's a lot of, a lot of good fun there. Good uh, and thanks to uh, thanks to Maxwell for joining for this re- most recent episode, and um, also to Jimmy O who was on the first two and will be on the upcoming one. And speaking of Jimmy O, we have another. Uh, quick announcement here uh by the time this podcast is out or most people listen to it this probably would have happened already but the uh, the harvesters um the film that jimmy o has co-produced it is going to be screening in la for free uh, for its premiere this tuesday october 18th so probably hours after i publish this podcast <laughs> and um so yeah if you want to make your way over there search the harvesters and uh, you'll be sure to be able to find that film and you can uh, check out the movie for free if you're in the la area um, so yeah, I'm excited to see it. Where where is it again? It is at the L.A. Regent uh, okay. land, Landmark Regent Theater. 
yeah, I'm sure if you if you search, you know, if you search the harvester, the harvester, you can yeah. find it. Um, but yeah, cool. And um, what else is happening out in SoCal? I know there's one thing going on involving the Newport Beach Film Festival. I'm going to turn it over to the lovely Miss Anna here to talk about it. Thank you. And I know I've been listening in as always. And thank you, Aaron, for shouting out how the festival is looking for interns. And I am the director of interns and volunteers at Newport Beach Film Festival. And currently we are seeking enthusiastic individuals for the 18th annual Newport Beach Film Festival. So if anyone wants to kind of see, the, you know, deal with the inner workings of how a festival gets run from beginning to end, this would be your opportunity. And you can just email me at intern at newportbeachfilmfest.com. And can set up an interview. Great. Awesome. Okay. It'll be super fun. So, yeah, I've, I've been saying these are very, very uh, location-specific announcements. But you know what? If you live in Arizona, <laughs> drive on over. Do it. Become an intern. Why not? If you live in an Wyoming, intern. canoe yeah. over. Drive you know? from Arizona. <laughs> but, yeah. And last thing here, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. Helps other people find the show. Helps our show get more popular and what have you. If you want to log into iTunes, search out now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find our show. You can give us a star rating, and you can even put together a string of words of some kind, and uh, that would form some sort of review that we'd be happy to read. A string of words of some kind? Yes, a string of words of some kind. <laughs> that is true. That would be a sentence. Exactly. Or an exclamation uh, exc- exclam- exclamatory? Exclamatory Sorry. remark? There you go. Yeah, I feel that'd be unnecessary, anyway. but yeah, I mean, it'd be great to get more reviews on, uh, on, the old, on the old iTunes page. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much in advance. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know, know everybody. everybody. That was great, guys. That was good. That was spot on. Three person high five. <laughs> Uh, the high five was a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's just that's just the um the 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 delay, the delay between Berkeley <laughs> and uh, here. <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, all right, I have a question. Okay. What actor do you feel was miscast recently? Recently? Yeah. Like, is there a film from recent time? You know, like the past ten years, where you're like. Yeah, this could have been played by somebody else. Oh, the past ten years. Like re- well, recently, you know, like mm. I don't say ever. It's a lot of people. That is that is a lot of people. I mean, that Casablanca really could have used Matthew Perry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always have Paris. <laughs> Here's looking at you, kid. What was miscast of, of all the places? All the gin joints in all the world. I think I think it has to be airier too, a little bit airier because he's so SoCal. She had to step into a uh, this one. <laughs> That's more the mask at that point. That's more Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey. I'm just trying to think of like bad movies and whether somebody. Well, yeah, who's bad in them though, or who like just doesn't fit in the role? That's what I'm trying. Yeah, I asked this because I think it was going to come up when we talk about the accountants. Because I, I think Ben Affleck maybe not been the the best choice to play the autistic assassin, but uh, <laughs> or double A as I call. I I want to say I thought you'd have something right off the bat. No, I mean, I, did you have anything in in mind? Well, I only thought of it because of this this movie. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Only, like, I can't think of anything recently either, but, like, of course there's the one most people speak about is, like, hating Christian as Anakin. Mm. 
But I can't like just think of one of myself that I, watching a movie recently or like in the past ten years, as you said. I want to say, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, uh, along the Star Wars track, there, Jake Lloyd. <laughs> well, <young> yeah, <laughs> that's a little more than ten years, but yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, that's like to that, or that's like almost going to be twenty years and three. Well, that's the thing where, like, we even talk about it in our commentary for episode one, where there's like a behind-the-scenes documentary on on that. DVD where you, you see the auditions, and you see it narrowed down between Jake Lloyd and one other kid, and like the other kid's clearly the better option. <laughs> Somehow, Jake Lloyd still got the the role. He uh, probably said Spielberg or twenty. I don't know why I said Spielberg. Yeah, I, I don't either. <laughs> Spielberg would know who to cast. He's great with kids. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that ET audition with uh, the kid who plays Elliot. Well, you know what? Maybe mm-hmm. Mickey Rooney, right? And, and Tiffany. Well, that's way old, but yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just, I can't think of anything most recent. I watch too many things. It just comes and goes. It's true. You do watch a whole bunch of stuff. And a whole bunch of stuff for the Newport Beach Film Festival. Hey, well, Abe, you have a question? I do have a question for you guys. Do you guys think Ben Affleck is this smart? By this smart, I mean the accountant level smart. Perhaps not in the field of accounting, but he's certainly doing something right as far as his directing career, let alone his, you know, his acting career, regardless of the choices he's made. He's certainly established a name and a presence yeah, for himself. Yeah, that's true. I actually think that he's kind of this smart. I feel that because uh, he's really good at uh, card counting, at poker, right? And he seems to always, uh, I mean, that's just one aspect. I mean, there's of... card counting and there's, like, making an entire puzzle backwards on a table like he does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about, like, you know. He's not, a, he's not a savant. He's not a savant, exactly. That's the same word that he's I was thinking Dust, of. He's not Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> he knows how many matchsticks are on the ground when you just spill the box? No, no, no. But I feel as though he's a, he's a fairly intelligent I, I, guy. Yeah, he seems yeah, like he's yeah. intelligent. Yeah. From Cambridge, you know, he's a, he's a smart guy. He knows uh, he knows that this is what a Harvard bar looks like. There's he's, equations and shit he's on the. He's smarter than Chucky in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if one day Ben Affleck was like, man, I should have just stuck to construction, just like Chucky. <laughs> Life would have been so much easier. Well, I have a question for you. I'm excited too. for this question. All right, so if you were to be cast in a film. Being that the theme is assassins, what would it be? This is like cast this back in the day. Mm-hmm. Except you're casting yourself. Yes. <laughs> in any movie or in an, in in, an assassin movie? In any assassin themed film. I would cast myself as the George Clooney character in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yes. He'd be the mentor figure. <laughs> uh, just to just to know to curve bullets, I guess I'd go for like wanted, but like a really tame version of wanted. <laughs> you know, like a, the, the, fu- the fun version of Wanted. <laughs> You're like one of the guys that was already there, you know, before everything got crazy. Before before you guys brought on James McAvoy? Yeah, before James McAvoy ruined it. You know, when everything was normal? Yeah, just be like in Morgan Freeman mode where he's like, you can bend bullets around. Like, oh, that's cool, Morgan Freeman. You seem completely not evil. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he seemed all right to me. <laughs> he's Morgan Freeman. Of course he would. Yeah. I all would right. never question Morgan Freeman's tactics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or his motivations. Okay. <laughs> that was great. Thank All right. you. All right. Well, that's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. That was good. That was great. That was a great one. <laughs> Let's do some out now quickies. Him? Each week we have a movie. We'll play. Don't talk about movies. I'm going to say. Him? 
I was happy with that one. Trademark. It was pretty good. I was happy with that one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Uh, yeah, I rewatched Apollo 13 because it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It is a very, very well done movie. I think from all aspects of it, um, cinematography, direction, score by James Horner, R.I.P. Acting, almost everybody is very, very good. Some people are great. For the most part, I didn't really expect to watch the whole thing because I was just uh, having a snack. And, I was and like, you're okay. like, I'm going to go specifically onto the streaming servers where I have to click things very specifically to watch stuff. And you're like, I'm going to have a snack and watch Apollo 13 and probably yeah. not watch all of it. That's exactly but what I was saying. It ended up that you did watch all of it. Yeah, it's that captivating. Like, I, that's exactly my mentality. I'm no joking. I was just like, okay, well, you know. I need something casually I could watch. So let me turn I, on I this two and a half hour Ron Howard space movie because I'll be able to easily stop that after I finish my snack. Maybe part of me was also thinking, okay, Abe, you know that you like this movie. Just go ahead and watch the whole thing. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to go and do your laundry. Well, it is Just okay because Apollo 13 is fantastic. That's it is fantastic. Ron, my favorite Ron Howard movie, easily. Um, second best is? Second best Ron Howard movie. Mm. I got to think about this. Mm. Let's see. Ron Howard movies. Uh, Let's think here. I well, Rush is really good. We've talked about Rush that is really good. That's up there. I'm curious. When you say Ron Howard, it's like obviously there's a lot of films that he's done, but I, you know, it's ones that he's directed. That he's directed, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Besides, besides starring and stuff, yeah. Um, but there's, I mean, the entire list is not, it's not composed of like nothing but classics. Like he's got a lot of like okay movies and even yeah. Movies. I mean, we talked about like the most recent one in the Heart of the Sea. Well, that was disappointing. Yeah, that was disappointing, and some of them I hadn't seen. Like. I haven't seen Frost Nixon. Frost Nixon's great. I really like Frost Nixon. It's uh, up there? I think okay. it's really – I mean, it was the Best Picture nominee for a reason. I think it's a really strong film. I uh, think A Beautiful Mind is a great movie. Beautiful Mind's good, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, again, the score is fantastic. The score is fantastic. I saw that movie, like, way after the fact, so I, I wasn't, like, enamored with it when it was, like, winning Oscars and it was, Yeah, when it was – yeah, I know right. what you mean. So I watch it, and I, you know, I already I know a lot of the history at this point. So it's like, all right, that's good. Yeah, I like it. So I like Cinderella Man a whole lot. I think that's. I haven't seen that one either. That's with Paul Giamatti, right? And Russell Crowe again. Yes. Yeah. Um. I no, I really like Cinderella Man though. I think it's a strong, strong film. Ransom's fun. I like Ransom. Give me Give back, back my son. Yeah, exactly. Give me back my son. <laughs> Give me back my son. With Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. There's a lot of people in the Donnie Wahlberg. Don, the Don is in there. The Don's in there. Delroy Lindo. Uh, Leif Schreiber. Leif Schreiber's in there. Leif Schreiber's in in. Yeah, he's, yeah it's it's um. Is he one of the goons? Yeah, it's Denise Schreiber, Lily Taylor, and Donnie Wahlberg. They're like they're the bad. They're the. Uh, uh, anyway, Ron Howard movies. Ron Howard. Yeah. See, Willow's like Willow's more like nostalgic fun. I like Willow. Like, it's yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Know. Sometimes when I'm jogging, I'm just like, I, I think about uh uh the. Mad Mardigan. I'm just like, Mad, Mad Mardigan. Mardigan. Yeah. <laughs> Splash is fun. Splash is fun. T. Hanks. Uh, yeah. That's oh, we both like the paper. We both like the paper a lot. I love the paper. I think that's very underseen. The, pre- and the precursor to Spotlight with Michael Keaton. With Michael Keaton, exactly. And I think it's it's way fun, really captivating. I think people should go see the paper. No joking. Okay, so now that we've quickly assembled some Ron Howard films, I'd have to say my se- my second favorite is... Besides Apollo 13, it's probably either Rush or Cinderella Man. Those are probably okay. probably my that's probably like the, my my second and third in somewhere in there. Then Not probably, Angels of Demons. Hmm, okay, all yeah, right. Yeah. 
then then the, <laughs> then the paper probably, and then probably Frost Nixon. That'd probably be like my top five. I like that. Movies. I like that. It's a solid list, I think. That is a solid list. I mean, I agree with you that if you look at the sim or the filmography of Ron Howard. Some hits, some misses. Especially more in recent, like because you have like those these these um Da Vinci well, Code movies. I mean, Inferno, Inferno which we'll be talking about yeah, next week. Yeah, Inferno's <laughs> like, coming I, out. I you know, to go well, that we're one. just really excited about that one. Uh-huh. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. Well, Anna, what have you seen recently? Yesterday. Oh, yesterday. <laughs> Did you guys watch something awesome yesterday? <laughs> we um went to go see Shin Godzilla. So it's not like. Godzilla film in like regards to the 2014 one because I just watched that one yesterday as well, mm-hmm. and it's more of a. It's an old school. Back that's to the old from school. Japan. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a Japanese. It's produced by Toho Studios, who does all the. It's their technically it's their thirtieth Jap- uh, Godzilla film. That's a lot of uh, iterations. Yeah, and so yeah, we saw that yesterday. It's pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoy like the puppeteering and. Uh, some of the effects <laughs> that we saw. And it's quite humorous at points. I think, if anything, for me, um, the narrative that was happening, you want more of the humor, but then there was also like a political side to it. So it was just kind of overwhelming with the political side. But overall, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Subtitles? Yes. Subtitle, yes. It wasn't. It's like there's too much jargon, like that would wouldn't play well if it was dubbed in english like it, it's very there's a lot of fast-paced dialogue involving the basically the politics of the situation of how to handle something like this interesting and i i really enjoyed it i where, where would you guys see it by the way at, at the theaters it's play has a it's it was had a one-week exclusive engagement at theaters everywhere so really saw it at the so uh, till tuesday, at the right? regular multiplex yeah till, till, oh. till this coming tuesday the regular um, multiplex how old are you 59 <laughs> <laughs> we went to the multiplex today. <laughs> but I, I really liked it. I, mm-hmm. I if you know about you know, you know I'm a Godzilla. Fan. I know that you're a huge Godzilla fan, and um, we, we talk about Godzilla quite frequently on the on the podcast. <laughs> if you uh, go back and listen to it, yes. And uh, so the, you know, a new one made in the style of you know classic Godzilla movies. I was I was Maybe. really excited for this, and uh, it was my dad's birthday yesterday. So yes, Anna and I we took him out to go see the new Godzilla. He likes Godzilla films also. Happy birthday, Mr. N. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but it was super fun. Like it the, was. The CGI and just it's everything. A, yeah, there's a mix of, like, you know, modern effects with, you know, a classic kind of person in a suit type thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've read some I've read some stuff on it. Like, the guy in the suit, like, had, like, a giant, like, anchor essentially tied to the back of him to kind of slow him down. to oh, make him wow. like, Interesting. Really walk a certain way and whatnot. That's so neat. That was my favorite part. <laughs> what that I, is really neat. I mean, that's that's great uh, thinking on on the uh, the part of the uh, filmmakers. In addition to just kind of being a, you know, to having you know giant Godzilla action sequences that are larger than life, which is it's it's basically Godzilla versus military force. That's that's mm-hmm. really what it boils down to, as opposed to like other monsters. Ana, you talked about like the political side of it and whatnot, and it's you know it, it's a it's the kind of Godzilla movie that both has the over the top elements, but it has a lot of the layered uh, subtext going on in this mm-hmm. case it, it's going over kind of J- japan's role in today's world and there's i think there's like a recent earthquake it's kind of godzilla's sort of a parable for that and the same mm. way godzilla tends to be a parable for a lot of various events in japan a lot of uh, yeah a lot of uh, yeah. harsh times yeah, like what because like some like the first one obviously is a response to the is, is about the uh, the nuclear war yeah 
And yeah. and over time, some Godzilla movies are focused on nothing. They're just focused on, like, let's have just a crazy Godzilla movie. And other times, they actually That's try to King take... That's King Kong versus Godzilla, one of my favorites. Yeah, and sometimes they just try to be, you know, just about something in particular that happens to have a Godzilla in there. Yeah. And, uh, but what I like, what I, like, the... the 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 directors of this they they do a lot of anime uh they did the recent the Evangelion uh, remakes uh, like the kind of the film version of, the, of that series okay and the camera's like always moving in it which I really like it's very you know when it's not when like it's in a in a frantic pace not in a frantic way not like a shaky cam kind of okay, thing. No, okay. it's more of like in the office scenes it's always like moving around right like you have those shots where it it goes in and then it pulls out slowly and it moves and it tracks the other direction and the, moves back in there's a lot them. of like GoPros attached to like yeah. desks and chairs and stuff so it's just like always Interesting. very it's very like lively and what I'm gonna I, have to check out a clip and while it's you know it, it's fun the 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 way the scenes play out, and I know you like Veep, Abe. It's almost like if there was like another, pa- if there was another, because there's so much bureaucracy talk in the movie about like who's in charge of what and whatnot. I feel like if there was another pass of this script that like really kind of tried to emphasize the humor more, it could have, there could have been a you know a real jolt of fun to go with the kind of the bet, yeah, because it takes itself very, it takes itself seriously to a point. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to obviously take humor from a bunch of you know, intelligent individuals coming up with plans of how to deal with a Godzilla monster. But, like, they're, I think that, you know, you give it another pass, there probably could have been a way to really increase the kind of satirical humor that comes from all that. But uh, That's interesting, actually, because uh, I'm not really sure how I would feel about that. Not not that I would uh, be against it, but just... Uh, th- 30 films in, it'd be a neat way to... It'd be something new. Yeah, <laughs> to, it would be. Yeah. I mean, that would be... <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's like it's very it's you know it's I think it's like two hours almost it's mm-hmm. I think the you know, solid it, movie it's edited pretty crisply where I think the you know you could have kind of Sorkin like back and forth dialogue going on here and it would be it would be interesting to you know, see a movie of that ilk in the midst you know dealing having people that are you know in these various positions talking about a lot of bureaucracy that happens to surround how do we deal with a giant Godzilla monster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was still a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah and I you know, it, it. it has some Godzilla crazy action stuff going on. And it has yellow subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What? Those are my favorite. <laughs> Those are your favorite? Okay. They are. <laughs> As opposed to the uh, white to, subtitles. Or black. The white subtitles. Black are there black subtitles? They are, and you should not use those. <laughs> yeah, so what about during dark scenes? You can't. Not, not, they're not the best. <laughs> Yeah. So if you're a filmmaker listening, do not put black subtitles on yeah. your films. <laughs> Anna speaks as a person who watches many films uh, to, to review for the film festival, so she she knows a thing or two about which subtitles work best. <laughs> and I do like my yellows. <laughs> Let's see. I saw a couple other films. Okay. Um, I saw Certain Women. This is the new Kelly Reichardt film. Um, she's uh, she's an indie filmmaker, and this is another indie film. It, it features um, Laura Dern. Uh, Michelle Williams and uh, Kristen Stewart, and it tells three different stories. They're all adapted from an author's uh, book of short stories, so it's three different stories, all set in Montana. Uh, a lot of, and they're interconnected to a point, like characters from the different different stories pop up in within each other. <laughs> and um, out of the three stories, one's really good. The other the two Lord are okay. Story? No, the Lord, which also stars uh, Jared Harris. That's probably my second favorite one. Mm, okay. um, the, the Michelle Williams one's probably the weakest. The Kristen Stewart one's pretty solid. Okay. Um, Big fan of Kristen Stewart. 
she's good in these indie dramas. I know, and people give her a lot of flack for uh, her. I think, she, I think she's stuff. getting past that point since she's doing nothing. You know, it's she's been out, doing a whole bunch from, of indie years stuff. Years out from those movies at this point, so it's like all she's doing are those movies, and she's right. getting acclaimed for these for her work. Yeah. Uh, but it's fine overall. Like it's not great, but uh, it certainly has a Kelly Reichardt has a very deliberate style of pacing and like a lack of a lot of cinematic excess as far as score and uh, there are cinematic tricks to kind of draw you in um so it's it's all about character but it, you know it's fine like it, it's well done as far as the acting goes okay uh, the other film i saw is mascots which anna and i also watched. oh I, that's on netflix yeah this is on netflix now it's the new christopher guest film um <laughs> from films such as waiting for guffman best in show a mighty wind and it's another kind of mockumentary style feature that's about the world of mascotting and um it's inherently funny just to think of this, and it has a lot of the main players that you expect from Christopher Guest films, along with some new people, such as like Zach Woods, who's on a uh, Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. uh, Chris O'Dowd, who was actually he was on Christopher Guest's HBO series, The Family Tree, that had like a season. Oh um, yeah, I remember seeing an episode, and I was like, it's okay. That one was like a slow, slow burn. It really kind of picked up in the second. Does it half. pick up later? It picked up in the second half for sure. Okay, because he goes to America eventually to get <laughs> a lot more humorous. Um, but th- yeah, this one's a, it's about competitive mascotting and I would say it starts strong. I think it starts very strong as you're introducing all the characters, the middle, it kind of sags a bit and then it gets to the competition, which is pretty, it's just funny as well. Uh, but so it's okay overall. It's not like a laugh riot. Like I think best in show is, which I mm-hmm. think is fantastic yeah. or even as, and it has, a, it has a moment where it's kind of touching involving some, one of the characters, like what there's, you know, they all have these mascots, all have different routines or whatnot. And, some are like inherited from their parents, and there's one that like has. Aww. There's like a you know because like a, I think a mighty wind is probably like the most sentimental of Christopher Guest's films because it has <laughs> Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. They're like bit and it's really sweet. And that this one, that one has it has like it doesn't reach that height, but I think it gets you know it has the heart of the movie belongs to I think though though that kind of set of characters. So, it, but you know overall it's okay. Mm-hmm, but I agree. Uh, yeah, the ending we didn't even talk about this together, but like the ending, I was just like really. That's yeah. how it's going to end with the two, and I was just like, oh, I'm not going to go into it, because mm-hmm. you don't like spoilers. Yeah. You already edited <laughs> the spoilers so <laughs> I won't go there. Aaron but... already admonished me. <laughs> but yeah, it was okay, but I remember just talking to Aaron before, I was like, yeah, I want to see this, because I, myself, really want to become a mascot. <laughs> you, you really want to become one, or you wanted to become one? I wanted to become one. So you don't still want to become one? <laughs> well, I think it would be fun still. I mean, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but, like, it was a fun idea. Like, I would... How is that embarrassing? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Hashtag facts you didn't know about Anna, but... um. Right. <laughs> I definitely thought it would be fun to go into a suit and just, like, move around and dance and just be silly, you know? <laughs> Get the, che- the cheering crowd going. <laughs> All right. This is, a, this is like a... We need to make a real-life version of the Simpsons episode where Homer becomes the mascot for the Springfield Isotopes. I, I like – that's, that's like, first or second season Simpsons. That's, that's, like one, season that's a great season. episode. Where they go to Capital City. Capital City, yeah. Capital City. <laughs> yeah, Mascots is on Netflix now. If you're a fan of Christopher Guest, you could you know, try it out see what you think. Um, and that's how now quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. We talk one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of and what have you. And this week we have John Wick colon Chapter 2, Woo! the sequel to John Wick, starring Keanu Reeves. And um, Abe, you and I were a big fan of John Wick. Huge fans. 
I think that it was a great movie-going experience. I watched it a little bit later in the game, uh, meaning that the, the audience wasn't as full. But the seven people with me, we all were hooping and hollering. It was well, those great. Seven, those seven people and more were enough to earn it a sequel. Yeah. Uh, and here well, it is. It's, it's since become a very cult thing. Yeah, it feels like a yeah. It it very it was it's an effective action film that automatically I think it I think it's because the universe is so unique. Like because the, despite the story being so simple, it presents it like manages to create this elaborate world involved of, of of assassins where they have like a hotel and these right. like, coins and all this stuff. And people clearly want you know it's like well, I want to see more of this, and now we have it in the form of this first trailer. Uh, with that in mind, Abe, what'd you think of the trailer for John Wick? I'm excited for it. Uh, I liked a lot of what I was seeing, meaning, you know, John Wick, it's not as though he's um, he's nicer now. You'll have to see the movie to, to figure out why. But uh, I hope that it's just not more of... He's not uh, unnice. He's not I mean, he loves his wife I mean, and he loves if he's his gonna, dog. If there's someone he's going to kill, like, he's not going to be like, let me be nice to you first. But in sure, general, sure, sure. he's a nice yeah. person. He seems like he's having a good time with Lawrence Fishburne at the end there, of the trailer. But I it, it does look like a little bit more of... Second movie, bigger and better kind of thing. And I hope that it isn't because I think the thing that made the first one really, really fun to watch is while they did have a lot of gunplay and whatever else, it was uh, well choreographed because the people that made it were the stunt folks. And I don't think the stunt folks are involved in the second one. They are. It's the exact same director. Are they directing? Okay. I thought they were just producing. No, it's one of the the – there were two of them, uh, Chad Stahelski and David Leach. they directed the first one. Now it's just Chad uh, doing the directing the the second one while while the David Leach uh, produces. Well, I hope still, that, they're still uh, both heavily involved in the film. I hope that they kind of take uh, their time with it because again, I think the first one is pretty fun, and I just want the second one to be as fun, I suppose, uh, if not more fun, but not like on a very. Uh, self-awareness level of we're just going to make this super goofy and whatever else because I know that everyone loves it. We're going to get an iMac free pass. It's like, yeah, you can think of it that way, but at the same time, I, regardless of the hooping and hollering, John Wick is a pretty competent movie. You know, with the action sequences, the way that they set those up, the story of what they were going for. Um, again, I agree with you that the world that they build is pretty interesting with uh, Ian McShane. So even with Lance Reddick just being the hotel manager, I think there's a lot of interesting things that they've set up. So I hope that it's not just more, bigger, better explosions and whatever else. Uh, and there's a plot that kind of makes sense to, to where to take it after what seems like a pretty good resolution in John Wick. Anna, you have any thoughts on this trailer that you just watched? I know, I just watched it. <laughs> John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you, are you holding a pigeon while you say that? Yes. Yeah. I did just watch it right now while you guys are recording, and it, I think it's terrific. I mean, going as a trailer, I think you talk about um, music being incorporated at times, and I think the use of classical music is a great effect throughout the trailer, and I think that was like making me like, oh my gosh, this is so great, and it's terrific. I want to watch this now. Uh, <laughs> and the action scenes, you know I love action, so I think it looks great. Yeah, I, I I have no reason to feel pessimistic about the opportunities of this sequel. I think it's it's if anything has a, a chance to really break out as something like, hey, we did this really simple plot about a man who's getting revenge on the people that killed you know, his dog, which is his, his last gift from his wife before she died. Mm-hmm. And you know, this one obviously is. Yes, it doesn't have the kind of 
By the, the way, same... those aren't spoilers because no, that, that all the... happens in like the first five minutes of John Wick. <laughs> this one, I mean, it, it's, it doesn't have to bank on something simple. It just it already established the character of John Wick and the world he exists in. So it's like, all right, let's let's go to town. And I don't if it it's going to be bigger to a point is because the budget's a little bigger and they're going mm. to roam this time around or whatnot. But I mean, it's the same same writer, same directors, same cast um, of those that survived. Along with a lot of new people, Commons in here now, uh, <laughs> looking or... like a badass, looking more like uh, what's the movie that he was in where he was wearing that eyepiece? Uh, um, run, run all night. I think so. Yeah, yeah Liam Neeson. Uh, yeah, the Liam Neeson. Yeah, like, run all, run all a, night. I, I remember you. You were because uh, I was curious about it, and you were like, "He's only in it for like two minutes." <laughs> yeah, he's in it. I mean, he plays a threatening guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he looks yeah. like a badass in this one. Lawrence Fishburne in here too. Get that Keanu Morpheus reuniting thing going. Uh, but I, I didn't even think about that. That is uh, you didn't think about that. no, I didn't. That's that is exactly correct. That, that's the only thought. That's the reason I thought you were like going on the winking thing because it's like, all right, yeah, I can see that. I guess it's like, hey, look, we've got those guys back together. Did but, not I mean, even think about that. Nope. That's the extent. I mean, everything else though, it just like this, just looks like a, a fantastic action movie. Like it, it's doing very little to set up what the actual plot is. It's more like John Wick's once again forced out of retirement. Now he's in Rome. All right, let's see where that goes. That's true. I do and want to see why he's back out of retirement. And it gives you this kind of. You don't get too much action, but it gives you a lot of setup for it. It gives you one great long shot of him just like going down a down a hallway, down a ramp, and everything, and like just nonstop shooting. And what I like about John Wick, what I like, and you know, what I like a lot in the accountant is there's a lot of there's a lot of like there's the efficiency to how they kill. It's not about being fancy. It's about getting the guy down and making them stay down. And if this movie delivers on more of that in the same way the first film did, um, I'll be plenty happy. I think. I think Reeves is terrific in this role. He's he's well suited to this part, and uh, and he's you know he's working with these stunt guys that he's worked with on other films before, and they, so they're clearly you know they all seem to have a very friendly relationship. Yeah, and it paid off the first time around. I, I have little reason to expect that the second one won't. Hold them, hold them a breath. The man, the myth, the, myth? the legend. Oh, okay. John Wick Chapter Two opens in theaters February tenth next year. All right, so let's move on now. Let's get to, that was trailer talk. Let's move on to our main film review for. The Accountant. Do you like puzzles? Tell me what you see. It was taken three years ago by an undercover agent. It's the same person. He was spotted in Tehran, Tel Aviv, and Naples. This guy risks his life uncooking the books for some of the scariest people on the planet. Drug cartels, arms brokers, money launderers, assassins. Who survives this kind of clientele? Imagine the secrets this guy has. What are you doing here? Who are you? You're different. Sooner or later, different scares people. I have difficulty socializing with other people, even though I want to. That should have been some of the trailer for The Accountants. Ben Affleck takes a break from directing and Cape Crusading to star in The Accountants, a thriller surrounding an autistic man who works as a small-town accountant with the ability to kick ass and take names when need be. He is being sought after by a treasury agent, played by J.K. Simmons, while having recently taken on a job to look at the books of a robotics company, led by John Lithgow. When, a com- when the conspiracy is uncovered, it will be up to the accountant to protect a few innocents while getting back at those who forgot to deduct their criminal activity from their records. Abe, what did you have to say about the accountant? The accountant is... how can I say this? It's almost comedic to some point. And it is very, there's a lot of storylines in it. 
I, what the way the way that I would describe it in a nutshell is it's very disjointed. I think that there's some pretty interesting concepts in the movie, but on the overall, it's actually kind of forgetful. Like when you walk out of the theater, it's not as though I'm thinking, "Wow, that was really good," or uh, "I wonder how he operates his life on a day to day basis." It's more of there's a lot of really stupid things in this movie, and I I'm curious as to how some of this is even resolved or how does this even come about? Um, I think the things that are interesting about the, the concept are, or I think that the con- interesting concepts in the movie are, okay, well, you know, autism, how do we define it or how do we deal with it? Like maybe we are really listening to it in the way that we should be, which is pretty neat. But uh, when it comes down to Ben Affleck kind of being an adult, I actually was pretty curious about the whole entire him doing accounting at uh, this robotics company and trying to figure out what was going on with the books rather than him going on some sort of killing spree, which is weird because that's kind of his personality in the movie. He has uh, the ability to go on these killing sprees because of his dad being this ex-military guy and wanting his son who has autism uh, to basically be – functional in a way that allows him to live his life quote-unquote normally but also be almost superior because he feels as though his son has gifts and he just needs to develop these talents in order to uh, lead a successful life which does happen but i was i was pretty curious about the accounting part of the movie which i kind of wish they went into a little bit more even though the movie kind of deals with that uh, as an aside to him having to solve a problem because he, whenever Ben Affleck gets his teeth into a problem, he needs to have a resolution and they have a metaphor for it early on with this puzzle, which I thought was a dumb metaphor. But in any case, for the most part, it's a forgetful movie. There's a lot of interesting storylines, but those storylines by themselves uh, are much more interesting than the, some of the parts, which uh, is kind of a bummer because you have a lot of fairly good talent here. It's almost like, Ben Affleck went into this, uh, he decided to channel his the town perspective and just make it way more mundane and way more gray. I uh, I was impressed with how this movie managed to, you know, exist. I, I, the screenplay is apparently, was apparently on the blacklist, which is the, uh, the list of uh, Hollywood screenplays that are the most well-liked without being published. Um, and so, you know, it finally got its, uh, it's got its due. And here we are, and I'm thinking... Okay, what was the thing that really drew people in? I guess it was the idea of having a, a you know a savant like character being involved with both a, a you know a professional job who also is like amazing at things as mm-hmm. far as you know, you know beating up people and fighting and what have you. And there's that part of the movie that I really actually enjoyed. I you know I think it it's oh it, there's a lot of silliness in how it kind of plays itself out for the most part, but the kind of everything involving the Affleck Lithgow. Anna Kendrick, Gene Smart, that stuff that was that was enjoyable to me. Um, it got a little predictable towards the end, but I was like, all right. My main problem was J.K. Simmons and uh, his protege character. Character, I think that entire plot, which is you know like a third of the movie, is ridiculous. Unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Yeah, you can take all of that out and make this two hour plus movie a lot more efficient at like a hundred minutes and mm-hmm. not lose really anything beyond having this kind of like audience perspective character. It's like, why do I need an audience perspective character? I, I get it. Ben Affleck's autistic. Okay, let's see him conduct his life now. I don't need to jump ahead to seeing J.K. Simmons having to try to find it, find out who the accountant is. 
and what killed me is that you have this unnecessary plot that I just I keep I keep like getting back to. It's like I want to go back to Ben Affleck. Why are we like dealing with this? Yeah. And then it's like let J.K. Simmons towards like it's like towards the third act where it's like now it's time for J.K. Simmons to sit on a couch, put his hat on his face, and just talk for like fifteen minutes straight about every single thing in this movie. Yeah. And it's like that's not good. How that's not good storytelling. That's just J.K. Simmons narrating every single thing about the movie. Right. And it just completely dragged everything down, took all the momentum out of this movie. But like, but like that first two thirds, I have a, I had a problem with Affleck as this character. I don't think he's right for this role. But I mean, I give, I give him props for trying something different. This feels less like a passion project of Affleck and more like he has a. A, a Warner Brothers contract, and he's like, I guess I got to do a movie in addition to the ones I'm directing or playing Batman in. So I chose this script. Like that's really what it feels like. Like remember, like a uh, Runner Runner with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> that it feels like because he was in that. It feels like <laughs> I do it feels like that. that. Like he had, he like he was making Gone Girl with Fox, and he's like, oh, I got to do another Fox movie to get out of this contract. All right, let me let me go to my pile of scripts. Oh, this one. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, it feels like this is the same thing. Where it's like, all right. I think a better analogy do... would have been uh, uh, Ed Norton with uh, uh, Italian job. Italian job. Yeah, yeah, but this is directly referencing Ben Affleck. I, I mean, know. It, it feels like he's at a point where he doesn't have to really make movies that he wasn't involved with as a director or you know being Batman in at some point. So it's like, why is he in this? Like, why is he here? What? What? He just really wanted to take like another project where he didn't have to like be involved as a filmmaker. I don't know. But him at like Matt Damon would make more sense in this role. Like I feel like he could ca- he could play an autistic character that also kicks ass. Of course, he's already Jason. He's Bourne, already so Jason like, Bourne and so like Will a, Hunting yeah, and Will Hunting, which yeah. you know this is a this is like a weird riff on those movies, right? And I, it, it's it as if like oh, oh Matt, you could do this. You can yeah. play a savant and you can play a hitman. Guess what? I could do both in the same movie. Like that's I, what it feels like. He's. I'm wondering if it's like some sort of inside joke between the two. I can't imagine them not running that past each other as far as it being so, but I still I still give Affleck credit for trying something. Like it seems like he did try and like eventually I stopped thinking about how effective he was in a part like this and more just concentrating on what he's doing that works. And he like he he presents himself in a way that does fit. It's just the movie's so silly. And it's in that silliness is largely enjoyable, I think. It's just the JK Simmons stuff just is not necessary and then the third act comes around. I just it felt entirely predictable. One thing, John Bernthal has a role in this movie. The second he walked on screen, I knew exactly knew, who he was. You knew what it was. I knew exactly who he was in this movie. I uh, there was it took no, me a little bit, but I had no I doubt. Well, it, it out. like he walked in, I was like, oh, I bet I know what's going on here. And then it had like another flashback scene of the many flashback scenes in this movie. He's like, right. I definitely know what's going on here. Um, yeah, but like it. It, there's, uh, I agree with you that there's a lot of silliness, and one of the things that really, really got to me a lot was everyone is narrating and everyone is basically giving you exposition almost every scene. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I hated a lot was J.K. Simmons asks his uh, protege to come into his office, and her name is Medina. He's like, am I pronouncing that correctly? Medina? And then he's like, Oh, look at these incriminating photos of you as, uh, a, um, a f- like, these felony felon, photos. Yeah. And I was like, wow, those photos look like they were taken yesterday with the same actress, <laughs> even though they're supposed to be when she was, like, 16 or 17. And then uh, the thing that made me laugh and sort of chuckle out loud in the theater was he says, oh, you lied on your federal application. I was like, don't those federal applications, don't they, like, look into those pretty closely? 
Like, how does somebody lie on a federal application to become an agent of the government? And to have, be fair, I like, mean, she was felony. caught in the lie pretty quickly. She was, which I think is just, again, the overall silliness of it. But um, I agree with you on the next piece of, hey, I like the Men Affleck stuff. You know, I wish that you guys would center on that a little bit more instead of taking away from this Silence of the Lambs type thing where we're hunting some guy that we don't really know um, and then we're going to go to the, all these spots that he usually hangs out in and he has no presence there. It's like, no, I, I would rather just see him doing either accounting work, you know, being that savant, talking to himself about numbers uh, in a boardroom or him kind of just trying to figure out why he like why Ben F like needs to finish this puzzle and I kind of wish that they didn't go into how quickly he solves the puzzle meaning like he's just with Anna Kendrick at one point and they're having this conversation and then all of a sudden he's like oh it's because of uh, this person and it's like I I wish that you guys didn't solve it that quickly for me because I think that's like the best part of the movie like him trying to solve why these these funds are missing from this company and who might be behind it. They kind of just gloss over it because they go into this 30-minute-long action sequence, which, again, uh, is efficient, and I think it's well-choreographed. Um, shot is okay. It's, some of it's pretty much in the dark. I mean, it's, it, the film is directed by Gavin O'Connor, who did Warrior, which we really like. like. And this movie actually has a number of things in common with Warrior. Very much so. And but, um, we can't get into that, but... There's... Yeah, but yeah, there's some, there's some connections you can find there. But regardless, the I mean, yeah, it, it, he's he doesn't have this kind of like cinematic stamp where like this is an O'Connor film. It's just more of like it, it's good looking, like it's a good looking movie. Like I, I, it is, I, I, it is, you know, it's 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 R rated in a way where it's like, all right, this is like a film for like adults. Like it has a it has a story that it's telling and the action, it, you know, it's. You know, there's a lot of headshots in this movie, and it's like it it does so with a you know a sense of purpose, but it's overplotted, and that's what you're getting at too, Abe. I mean, there's yes. just too much story here in a movie that doesn't need it. Like, I don't need the movie's called The Accountant. I don't need The Accountant and Friends. Like, there's a lot here that seems unnecessary. Anna, do you want to say something? Oh no, I'm just listening to you. But so, are you saying that the reason why this film is unsuccessful to um your viewing is that it's just too much plot there? Yeah, it has okay. way too much story. And yeah. you were saying you were going back to I'm gonna go back a little bit. You were talking about how Matt Damon could probably be in this role. Is it also in a case that it's unsuccessful because Ben Affleck is not in this role where he's not really um showing those emotions of being autistic or he's well, not really showing the mechanisms of like what happens being autistic and also being this other individual. Well, you, I, I talked about that, well, but what do you think about him? In I this? actually liked Affleck in this movie, and that's uh, maybe it's because I'm giving him a pass because you know I, I know that he's a good director and I know that he's a pretty good actor. Like he's come along to be a pretty good actor. Uh, some of his early stuff, not as good. I mean, I've never seen. Well, it's more. It's the stuff that plays to his strengths that he's better at in his earlier right, right. age as an actor. Now he's at a point where he can. He's better at emoting in a lot of ways that work for the films he really chooses. Yeah, that's, that's that like, is true. So it's like if he's in a film like this where he's not a director, he's not Batman, I have to think he chose it for a reason. And I can admire the idea of him taking on what seems like a challenging part to play a character like this, which you know basically tampers down a lot of Ben Affleck's actor instincts. He's not playing something charismatic. He's sure. not ha- he doesn't have kind of a... You know, I feel like has like kind of a smugness to him. I think to a lot of his characters, he doesn't really play that up. Mm-hmm. He plays a lot. He plays a lot. You know, basically against type. It's yeah, like, and what I like about the character is that uh, again, he he explains in the movie he's a high functioning autistic uh, man, and 
because of that, then it's not as though, you know, he's able to function normally, but he's just, you know, a lot smarter than the average person. Um, and I think what, what I liked about it is the subtleness of some of it. Uh, I'll get into it. What I was, what I was thinking about when I was watching the movie is there's no real tick to Ben Affleck. They explain things to you of, well, he'll, he'll rock back and forth if he has a problem or, you know, you see it in the trailers where he's blowing on his fingers. Um, and sure, those things are ticks, but something that I thought about was, um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in Prisoners, and that's where yeah. something like that is like where you can really, where you know that, that that person is really invested in that character, and not even a whole lot, but just more. Jake Gyllenhaal, he blinks a lot in that movie, and he, that's like when he's trying, to, when he's really challenged in that movie of Prisoners, he just he uh, he either uh, thinks a lot or he blinks a lot, and then that's that's just like his his uh, his. That really adds a lot to the character, and that kind of just gives it a different dimension. And Ben Affleck tries some of that stuff, but it just doesn't really come off. I actually really <laughs> enjoyed more when he was just talking mundanely. Like, yes. he gets this conversation with Anna Kendrick during lunch, okay, yeah, and lunch he just hours, yeah. doesn't have anything really to say because he has to uh, – they do this flashback sequence, which I thought was interesting, of, you know, they're, with Jeffrey Tambor, a, a wasted talent in this movie. Yep. And – What's cool is Jeffrey Tambor is talking to him, and he's like, tell me, uh, like, basically sum up your feelings into one word. And he's like, well, I'm irritated. And that's that's kind of what his conversation with Anna Kendrick is like, because he's taking those lessons, and basically, <laughs> instead of naming everything wrong about you like Sherlock Holmes would, the BBC version of Sherlock Holmes, you know, where he can tell what you've been drinking, what you've been eating, and whatever else, all your problems in life, he's just like, wow, you uh, are I'm I'm busy right now is what he would probably say is what Christian Wolf would say in the accountant instead of talking to you he'd just say I'm busy uh, which I appreciated a lot of but again it just goes into silliness because they want him to be so many things at the same time that it just doesn't really feel as though he has any sort of captivating personality because at one point he writes a a, a goodbye note and I was like is that something that he would do that doesn't feel like something he would do so well, I think that's part of the for the to the credit of the film, I think it's part of the arc of the character where Anna Kendrick allows him to kind of open up more than you know we know because we only have so many ways to get into what he's thinking. Yeah, and so it you know it, it gives him like he's not completely inept at socializing in some way, and so he's beginning like if there was going to be an accountant too, you know you you, you can see there, <laughs> there's a, there's, a, there's a there's a path of this character where he go, he's he's not the same as he was when he began in this movie. Sure. Um, that said, there's a lot of silliness of where things go, of who's still alive at the end of this movie and why. Um, but to your point about like comparing like someone like Gyllenhaal and Prisoners to this character, th- I think that's because I mean, frankly, Gyllenhaal is he's a better actor. I think it's it's in his arsenal to be able to do have these little quirks like that and make those feel organic. Where Affleck, he's you know, it's not something he's known for having as far as like a lot of idiosyncrasies to make his character stand out in a way that's beyond just how he presents himself as a you know personality wise so you know seeing him blow on his fingers every time he did that that bugged me because it was like i just see the actor doing this thing as if it was something like neat quirk as opposed to something where it's like i'm so invested in this character that it makes sense to me that he's doing this thing well i mean even the blowing on the fingers thing it's it's a little bit inconsistent because i'm not really sure when he blows on his fingers you know what is it when he's ready to do a task because if that was the case, it would be interesting for you to show that when he's 
going to go and hit a house or when he's going to go do something else. But, yeah, yeah, you know, some, yeah. some like even like uh, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. OK, well, before I go to battle, I'm going to take some dirt and rub it in my hands. Awesome. I understand that you're you're mentally preparing yourself now. Whereas this one, it's like, OK, well, are you doing the blowing the fingers thing? Because that's just something that you do all the time. Or is it because, OK, well, I'm going to go kill some people or solve this problem. So like what you're saying is for like the scene of at lunch or just like even the first scene where you see him as an accountant. I mean, that, that's where you kind of get a sense of who this man is, where he's very abrupt in his conversation style. But he also he knows what he's doing. Like he's he's deal, like at the beginning, he's dealing with this this couple that have like farmland and they have to they're like about to face a whole bunch of tax problems. And he starts, you know, he starts giving them like hints and shortcuts as to how to handle that, like the like the wife. She like what, makes jewelry from her house, and so right, he, like right. starts to. He's like, "Well, that's your office." And he's like, "How much square foot is that office?" And you know, he gives little hints to like say it's say it's more. Right. Like, right. He, so it's like he's a he has a he has a good heart as far as helping these small these people in these small towns as an, as an accountant. But like, there's you know, there's a semblance of personality there that I think gets across more in these yeah these laid back sequences less compared to you know when he's when he's by himself essentially and doing all these things that establish himself as this, you know, uh, you know, a, 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 an artistic character. Right. right. Does the film also lack suspense? Cause like, yeah, about, it does, like, but I don't think, I don't think it's that kind of a movie where, where yeah. you're, where uh, it builds up to something. It's not like I, I previously compared or made a, uh, a reference to Silence of the lambs. And that's mostly for the JK Simmons and, uh, yeah, because okay, they're essentially right. like the Scott Glenn and Jodie Foster. Right, where he's like trying to take this new trainee on kind of thing. But there's no suspense in terms of even when they get to his house, <laughs> there's nothing amazing there. His house is basically just a shell because he travels so much and whatever else. So, um, And he stores all his stuff in an Airstream. Yeah, cause, oh, which makes sense <laughs> for him. Yeah, I, I love that part of just like, hey, that I know – that uh, I can get out of here in twelve minutes, kind of thing, because this is everything that's important to me in my life. Which... Yeah, but it's not—it's not like a nail biter for sure. No, like, no they're yeah. certainly like, oh, these people are in trouble. What's mm-hmm. going? To, what's the accountant going to do? But it's not like, you know, it's like, all right, here comes an action sequence, as opposed to here comes the suspense-filled mystery of what's going to happen next. Like that's not really the. I mean, they they, they, they try to get to it because they kind of start uh, with the the movie starts out with this action sequence, and it's supposed to be like, whoa, well, what's going on here? And the the bad thing about that action sequence is they replay it two more times in the movie, one time uh, in the same manner and then a third time in full explanation. And it just – that's like probably the only suspenseful thing. But at the same time, like I agree with Aaron, <laughs> that's a wholly unnecessary part of the movie. Yeah, it, hmm. it does – like you could take all this – a lot of this stuff out and again, it just be a lean like 90-minute or so action flick that happens to feature this – you know, very unique character played by Ben Affleck, as opposed to this movie mixed with here's a whole side plot involving people trying to find out who this person is that I don't really need and doesn't really pay <laughs> off in the end. Like it, it really at the end, like what what difference is made by having all that J.K. Simmons stuff in there? I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, well, when you find out the motivations behind J.K. Simmons's character, who's the his name is the one thing, yeah, it's super it's weak. Here's the setup. I mean, this is no spoiler. The setup is J.K. Simmons is going to be retiring in the movie, so he needs somebody to take his place. And he just wants to know, like, literally, his only motivation is, who is this person who has basically uh, been been taking over my life since uh, a certain time? You know, like, ever since I took on this job, I've been bothered by finding out 
who this accountant is. That's literally the only reason why he wants to find out. It's not as though it's like this person's a bad person. I don't even know, or or he's killed multiple foreign nationals or whatever else. Like, no, he just literally wants to know who's this guy <laughs> that I see in these photos. I want you to figure it out, new agent. And that's that's it. And you're talking about the action. So is that intriguing enough in the film as well? Because so I haven't seen it, and the only thing I've seen, and we we've already talked about trailer talk earlier. Yeah. And trailers are something that's supposed to be strong enough to get you into the movie theater to see the film, right? And so when I saw the trailer for the accountant, it was more of, eh, like I didn't really mind about seeing because it, it doesn't seem as intriguing of action like John Wick two, and they're totally different films, but. It doesn't do that. So, like, you're talking about some of the action. Well, I mean, yeah, the the I guess the, the intrigue is that it I think that it has it has a str- it has a strong cast uh, for one thing. It has, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm more interested in Ben Affleck's choices these days than I would have been in the past. And you know, you put Radiohead in a trailer, and that pretty much makes me a sucker for a lot of things. So it's like <laughs> all, all of that kind of does it. Or it's, and it's like, yeah, so like getting into it, like as far as the action goes, again, it's fine. Like it's mm-hmm. not revelatory, revelatory in any real way, but it's like it, it does its job as far as providing an amount of action. And even again, like I'm saying, I think AB find it more silly than I, I actually. I think it's pretty silly throughout. But I was more engaged with the silliness, regardless, because the the first two-thirds being basically a solid character drama when it dealt with the stuff that I liked the most, which mm-hmm. is the Affleck side of the story. It's just, yeah, there's just way too much plot here overall, which is why it's like, okay. yeah, I don't I don't know what... I, I don't know what else to recommend at this point when mm-hmm. there's, like, a big portion of this movie that I feel it can be excised completely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that's the biggest problem is um, it's exposition-heavy and too many storylines. So if you cut out one of the storylines... I'm not even talking about the John Berenthal storyline. I'm talking about, yeah, the J.K. Simmons storyline. Berenthal stuff's fun. Like, he's having fun in this movie. Yeah, it's fun. His introduction is a little bit dumb, and that's part that adds to the silliness, like him just beating up some guy in his car, um, which doesn't really lead to anything. But I think that if you cut out the J.K. Simmons stuff, you'd have a tighter story. And you wouldn't – you're actually – because J.K. Simmons' motivation in the movie is is a little bit – uh, it's gray and it's weak. You basically can still get the same movie without him. At, at the very no, not least, saying that J.K. Simmons is a bad actor. No, no that's saying at the very at the very least, at least it's J.K. Simmons in this role. So it's like, all right, at least there, right. there's fun to be had because it's J.K. Simmons. Like if it was just like random guy, like it, that, you know, whatever. But yeah. uh, while I don't care for the part of this movie, at least it's this person in that part to make it better. I'd also say that uh, you know we talked a lot about hey, there's a lot of exposition. People might be wondering, well, what kind of exposition? Here's the background of Christian Wolf. There's him being a child, you know, facing these problems with his family. Um, and then for whatever reason, you find out that he's been in prison. And then for whatever reason, you find out that he's been yeah, in prison. Yeah, there's a lot of unexplained. Yeah, like, yeah. Why is he and I was like, wait a minute. Why is he in prison? Be- heavily bearded. And then, oh, it's a military prison. He was in the military. This is weird. Like, how did he, you know, I guess his dad did a really good job of making him so normal that he could play off, you know, getting by these military exams. But then again, his dad is also in the military. For, for all the exposition in this movie, yeah, there is like a, wait, how did this stuff start happening? Yeah. It's, it's Hollywood, guys. Well, yeah, I agree <laughs> with you that that's Hollywood. But that's where, where, um, that's where the third act kind of really goes downhill is because they start throwing these things at you, kind of half expecting you to just accept it. And if you're uh, a, any normal person who goes to see a movie and you understand logic and reasoning, it's like, where does this – how did this come into play? Like, why is this so heavily redacted? Because <laughs> it seems like it would 
it would make way more sense for him to for us to understand these aspects about him so that when these action sequences do come up you're like oh in addition to his dad being super overbearing and making them train in like uh singaporean martial arts as 10 year olds and getting beat up that they also have military training and he's that's why he's really good as a marksman and whatever else so I, I like that you, you're you talking so much because clearly you're frustrated that this movie's not better. There's so much here where it could have been good. And like The way you're speaking right now, it really sounds like you're frustrated that why, why did I need all of this when there's such a, like there's a good movie boiling underneath the surface here. Why do, again, I mentioned earlier, the, the, the thing that I was most interested about is Ben Affleck being an accountant, which is the most mundane storyline. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was really enthralled by him just trying to figure things out. Like we'll when just, he's we'll just we'll watch Michael Clayton again because that just gets, is that, that gets down to the point. That gets yeah. down to the point. Michael Clayton think, is so good. I think you both did a really great job in discussion this morning. Thanks. And with and with that, when do you think people should see this movie, Aaron? I mean, I would say Dollar Theater. Like honestly, because oh. I, I'm so on the edge of like how to recommend this movie because I think there's a there's a lot good in it. It just has like some clearly bad stuff in it also. So, yeah. like, the movie's not quite good, but uh, the silliness is almost enough for me to be like, well, I wasn't not engaged by this movie. So <laughs> I would say Dollar Theater probably, or, you know, like, wait for uh, uh, Blu-ray, at least. Like, it's a good, it'd be a good rental. Be like, what's that movie? All right. All right. <laughs> Abe? Yeah, it's, I'd actually say Dollar Theater as well, and the reason why is you don't have to rush out and see it right away, but I, it's kind of neat to see it on the screen, uh, just because... The action sequences, for one thing. yeah, the action sequences movie. will probably look a lot better on the screen than they would on your. Although nowadays TVs are like eighty-five inches, so yeah. <laughs> but like it's an original action movie made for you know an adult audience. It doesn't play dumb. I mean, it's there's a lot of dumb stuff in it, but it doesn't play dumb. Like right, so it's right. it's like that's a weird line to draw, but it's like you know you don't get many like. Here's an action it, it movie for adults dumb, that tries but, to have a smart thing going on. Yeah, it doesn't play dumb, but it also doesn't play that smart either. Because no, I'm thinking doesn't. of like two examples. One of the examples is it's probably like 11 p.m. and one agent is the only person in the office with all the lights off. Okay, that's kind of cliche. And then she goes and finds a list of uh, of names, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that." Two people – she solved the case because she figured out that two people were autistic, and one of them is a mathematician. She's like, oh, I know. He's using all these mathematicians that were autistic or all these artists that were autistic. And I was like, ah, oh, man, what, this is just poor writing. <laughs> what calls to mind is 90s again. Like, I feel like there's a lot of directors that are getting nostalgic for 90s action movies because there were a lot more like – Just the girls kind of thing? The 90s. Well, yeah, yeah. But the, Which is a good movie. Yeah, that's not an action movie. It's like a thriller. No, it's but I mean, thriller. But like movies that you know they they didn't have to like cut themselves down to be PG thirteen, even though it's not about like excessive violence or whatnot. It's yeah. more of like it's it's made for adult an adult audience, not made for teenagers to come in and be like, look at this. Like it's made for like people that want you know adults that want to get out of the house on a Friday night and see a movie. And <laughs> that is like, true. I'll, I'll give you that because my my core or the audience with me was largely in their like forties, maybe fifties. Because yeah, it has, well, I mean, it's weird to say, but it has Ben Affleck, who's you know he's got, he's it has the, it has the guy right, that made it has the town in Fargo. It doesn't have the, it's not you know not the guy not the not, not Geely not not Shannon from Mallrats. <laughs> it has, has J.K. Simmons and John Byrne, like it has and Jeffrey Tambor and John Lee. like it has like this adult cat like it. 
again, I think we're talking so much because we're you know we want this to be better because it's you know it's like here's a here's something different to watch in a movie theater. Yeah. To an extent, but it's frustratingly bad in a lot of places for no reason. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, let's move on now. Let's uh, quick. Let's get to our sponsor. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? Glad you asked. Audible <laughs> content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and other similar uh, programs for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Choose a book to download for free and start listening. It's just that easy. audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Download a book for free. Check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get to keep the book anyway that you download for free for free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. All right. Let's move on now. Let's get to feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over our various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where we go over the various answers our listeners gave us, and we read them out loud. And they also asked us some questions that we will be able to answer as well. And um, I was going to do that. <laughs> I was going to add. Did Anna whisper something in your ear? I just, yes. <laughs> so la- last week, because of our Birth of a Nation podcast episode, which was really good, by the uh, way, if anyone hasn't listened to our Birth of a Nation podcast, uh, the review, I think myself, Marcus, and Professor Mike Dillon, we did a great job of talking about all the ins and outs of that movie. Uh, we had to rush through a lot of the ending segments. Um, and so we only had some, we only had time for some of the feedback, but there were a number of questions that were also answered. So uh, Anna is going to graciously look up those previous week's questions. So we'll add those to the bottom of the list as well. But for now, let's go through the feedback here with the answers. First question was, what is everyone's favorite Ben Affleck performance? And Manish writes, The Town, Gone Girl, and Hollywood Land. It's not a bad set of choices right there. April writes, Gone Girl. Joe Jans writes, Bartleby and Dogma. And Philip writes, Hollywood Land. <laughs> People, people like Hollywood Land, apparently. Yeah. It's good. That Affleck's good in it. The movie's all right. He is good as Bartleby and Dogma. He is. Yeah. I, in, like, I don't know if I said this. I've said this before on podcasts. Though. I like Affleck in general. Like, I, 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 I do, too. I don't, I, don't, I don't regard him as, like, one of the best thespians around, but I think he's a, he's a, he's a solid presence, and he's certainly become better, you know, post-Gone Baby Gone. Like, he's certainly, like, he's... Starting to choose roles more carefully, a lot like Keanu Reeves started to do, like around the time of the Matrix. Like he started to choose roles that kind of fit what he's capable of a lot more. That's uh, the Oprah Winfrey uh, side of entertainment. Okay. And by that I mean, you know, she did those talk shows, and then she was able to do, to make her own talk show. There you go. Yeah. Uh, next question we asked everybody: What's your favorite cinematic assassin or hitman? Manish has the one that kicks off uh, the 1956 movie, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nipun has uh, the Iceman. Is that Michael Shannon? Oh, Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah. I did not like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Michael but Shannon. We on, do based like. Based on though. a real guy. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Philip has uh, Ni Yin Yin Eng from The Assassin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's from The Assassin, the movie. All right. Uh, Jenny has Leon uh, from uh, Luke Besson's movie, and April has Jason Bourne. Next up, we have uh, I, you know, I love Gross Point Blank, as you know, Abe. So that's I do, yeah, I do know that. I'm inclined he, to like I mean, Martin Blank. <laughs> you go, yeah, you go to your high school reunion, and you're just like, you know, where's the limo that I can go blow up a gas station? Uh, next question: Favorite films about characters who live a double life? Uh, Greg writes True Lies. That's a fun answer. You're fired. Uh, <laughs> Joe writes The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Manish writes Eyes Wide Shut. 
and Philip Wright's Headhunters. Mm, nice. That's the Headhunters we've talked about a number of times, mainly because Mark Hoban's a big fan of the film, friend of the show Mark Hoban, and uh, the director's Morton Tildum, who's doing the upcoming Passengers film. Yeah. But Headhunters, that's, I believe it, it was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still was, but it's certainly a good film to check out. I'd like to add in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard pretending to be your husband and the, the nanny. I haven't watched um, – this is out of nowhere. I haven't watched Spider-Man 2 in a minute, but um, I was – I started reading a bit. There was, like, an article that, like, had some reference to Spider-Man 2, in it, um, and I was like, yeah, that movie is great because of the drama he goes through with that, that movie as being both Spider-Man and Peter Parker. But uh, anyway, what's the next question? Uh, next question we ask is, what did you think of the new Star Wars trailer? We're talking about the, the latest and last Rogue One trailer. Philip has, I have no media rule for upcoming Star Wars films, which really helped me get the most of The Force Awakens. Oh, so he didn't watch it. Yeah, which makes <laughs> sense. You know, that's kind of did what you I watch it do. I'm curious. I, I did, but that was uh, mostly because uh, um, my friend was like, "Hey, you should watch this," and I was like, "I kind of don't want to because I'm already on board." And he's like, it, "There's nothing new in it, uh, but the score is fantastic." And I was like, "Yeah, the score is really good." It's amazing in this how good jo- you could add John Williams score, Star Wars scores especially to these trailers, and like your like and, hairs on your arm start rising. Yeah, like, it's just like it's. <laughs> It's just like I'm watching it, and it's like, why am I getting so like emotional over this that's, two minutes? That's of the how movie I that felt with uh, it's either the teaser trailer for Force Awakens or for the first trailer, basically where you know you start seeing the the speed bike in the desert. And I was like, and then the the Williams score kicks in. I'm just like, wow, goosebumps. It's like it's so like ingrained in your like consciousness, at least for myself and apparently you and many others. I mean, it's, it's one of the most classical scores in all of movie cinema or history so uh i think everybody knows it everyone can help it, it by just two. hits those beats and you're like oh my god there's a new star wars movie coming <laughs> i'm excited to see where it goes I, I hope that it goes where i want it to go <laughs> oh yeah that's 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 such a that's always the best. you have there eh? but yeah, yeah that, that's <laughs> always the best i'm glad the star wars movie you want it to be good <laughs> What's, manish writes something too right uh manish writes it was awesome there we go. Simple enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next question. What horror films are you planning to watch this Halloween season? Joe Wright. I, this is a hilarious collection. The Stuff, Birdemic, and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. All classics. Uh, Philip <laughs> Wright's The Invisible Man, the 33 version. Paranorman. Yeah. Young Frankenstein. Pretty edgy stuff he adds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler Wright's already watched every Halloween movie, so I'm pretty lost. Aw. Uh, Jateman writes, whatever new stuff comes out on VOD. Uh, Manish writes, thanks to your slasher bonus episode, I'm going to check out Just Before Dawn. Yeah, we have a, I'm going to be sure to post these too, the picks that we've, we make, um, we make, um, each of us makes various picks for the movies recommending for our genres in these horror specials. I'm going to make sure to post those in the yeah. coming weeks so we can, everyone can have a list of these things. I mean, the, the lists are pretty good. Some of them, uh, I'm not going to be able to get around to, but, uh, the list is so good that, you know, a friend of the show, Brennan was like, Hey, I got a couple suggestions from this episode from Aaron or Jimmy. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's always pretty interesting to, to listen to reviewers also get new movie suggestions uh, while they're recording. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, the last question we ask everybody here is uh, favorite films about gifted people uh, or savants. Rob has Rain Man. Joe Jens has The Hangover. He's talking about uh, Zach Galifianakis' Galifianakis's character. Uh, April writes Serenity. Dennis writes Shine, and lastly, Philip has The Royal Tenenbaums. Was there a savant in that movie? 
I think Luke Wilson's oh, character. Is oh, wait, I think he's also talking about uh, the kid that Bill Murray works with. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, that's it. yes. That's it's true. like, can you arrange these? It's like, this is perfect. But I, I think all of the children have a kind of. That's true, I mean, yeah. They're, 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 they're grown up. They're super successful way. children. That was the whole thing in the movie, right. yeah. Uh, now we get to our questions, and uh, we got a number of questions here that we will be happy to answer. Jason asks, how do you think the accountant will do against Batman? That's actually a pretty good question, and I think that the accountant has enough uh, like skills to take on Batman, including the way that they both logically go through uh, situations, but ultimately, I mean, he's Batman. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> The accountant, if he has like a distance going and he uses his big sniper rifle, that might give him a little bit of edge. But I think Batman would still kind of figure it out in time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last question from Manish is: Just uh, saw the movie Denial yesterday. Has anyone seen it or have any thoughts? I have not seen it yet. This is the Rachel Weisz, Timothy Spall, Mike uh, Tom Wilkinson film about um, Rachel Weisz as a a, a Jewish uh, professor, I believe, or something. And Timothy Spall, he he is a Holocaust denier, and they, it's a famous. It's based off a. It's based off a famous court case where um, it was her versus him on whether or not the Holocaust happened, whether or not this person has any grounds of claiming the Holocaust didn't happen. And I, I think it, it, the trailer would sound. It looked fantastic. I think the film sounds very interesting, but I didn't get a chance to see it yet. So I that Timothy Spall always <laughs> denying the Holocaust. I've heard, I've heard a lot of great things about the, the Timothy Spall performance in particular. Timothy Spall is fantastic. If you guys don't know who Timothy Spall is, he plays. Uh, he, he's probably most notable for Harry Potter. He's the guy who turns into the rat. Yeah, yeah, he's him. He's in. Yeah. He's in Sweet he's Todd. In, he's in. Uh, but he's this, this amazing British actor. He's so. a fantastic. He's in a lot of Mike Lee films for yeah. sure. He, yeah. Most recently, Mr. Turner. Yeah, he says like three words in Mr. Turner, right? And then he grunts a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really liked Mr. Turner. It's like nominated. two and a half hours, he was and it's very Academy slow. Award. He was, no, he wasn't nominated. He should have oh, been. He wasn't. Oh, he, I thought he, he was. He got a Golden Globe nomination, but he, like, I really wanted to get a nomination for Academy Award, but he, it's it's certainly, you know, it's very slow, but I really liked that movie. I thought yeah. it was really strong. All right, here's some questions from last week now that we didn't get to get okay. to on last week's show. So I'll, I'll just ask all of these. Okay. okay. Uh, Philip asks, what are some horror recommendations for people who aren't big on the genre? That's a very good question. Trick or treat. And I, I say that uh, because, again, I'm not I'm not huge into horror either. And Aaron recommended trick or treat because it's a little bit more sarcastic, maybe even sardonic. But uh, it's it's fun. And, and again, I think I love uh, I love the movie because it takes chances. I, I think there's there's a lot of good ends. I think, you know, you watch something like um like Halloween or like the first Friday the Thirteenth, those are good like ends to a, a you know a genre if you're <laughs> looking for something. Uh, Poltergeist would be a good in because I'm trying not to think of like advanced studies horror. The Thing, I mean you know these, the Thing I'm, is also good. I mean that was another recommendation. Yeah, I know. I, like well yeah, I mean they're all good. movies. I'm not naming bad movies, but yeah, more yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to name movies that were like you could walk. You don't need to be like a big well, horror no, guy I mean, to appreciate. I'm just saying movies. that I agree with you that hey, the Thing is um, it's it's a good movie for somebody who doesn't really like horror a lot. Uh-huh. So yeah, because they you know, it's because it's hard to write, you know, say something like Scream and it's like, well, there's a lot of there's a lot more to appreciate with Scream if you watch a lot of horror movies, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of other a lot of other movies I'm thinking of also. So but like I think the ones I've said are, you know, those are like good kind of starters. Yeah. yeah more, like more re- like more recent stuff like Insidious, I think would be like if you're looking for something that, you know, scary. Yeah. That's, you know, that, a, that's scary a little bit far. <laughs> well it depends on what you're when you're when someone's asking who isn't big on the genre, are they looking for says like I need a scary movie or I need something that kind of breaks me in right. slowly. Insidious obviously yes, that wouldn't be the correct the yeah, right I, like, I don't know that that one's a little bit fat. 
fast. You know, you might get spooked. All right. But, all right. Justin asks, I love the commentary specials this time of year. Is there any horror is there any horror you refuse to watch, i.e. subject matter, too realistic? Um With what, commentary? No, he likes our he likes our horror specials. Oh, oh, I see what he's you're saying. Okay. Is there, is, he's asking, is there any horror like genre that you really don't like to deal with? Yeah, I'm Are not like, huge uh, on yeah. home invasion stuff. Anything that's a little bit too close to home, kind of thing. And the reason why is because uh, it just feels like it could actually happen. I yeah, I I can agree with you that home invasion and is the stuff that kind of gets to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking like oh wow, like a bank robbery kind of thing. I'm talking more like uh, what's that movie uh, with the strangers? Uh, strangers sounds like. Yeah, I'm not going to go to a cabin. <laughs> I'm not staying there, and uh, I'm not going to drive a Volvo. Nope. It's stuff like, yeah, it's stuff like that, that I can find, like, legit scary. Yeah. Um, and creepy kid movies tend to, like, get me. More because more because it's usually, like, one Dead character. Dead creepy knows. kid movies? No, no, just creepy kid movies. Like okay. The Omen, uh, where, where it's, like, what is you? Because it's usually, like, one character that's, like, this kid's creepy, and everyone else doesn't believe them. So it's a mix of me being, like, annoyed by this creepy kid because it's creepy, and that, like, nobody believes this one person. So it's frustrating. But I yeah. enjoy that. That's, like, a frustration I enjoy for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but as far as, like, stuff I just don't want to deal with, because it's, well, it, because movies, the, the Saw and Hostile movies, people, like, dub those as torture porn type stuff. That's not stuff I'm into, but those movies specific, like the the hostile ones, there's a lot of good social commentary in those, and I can appreciate what that's trying to be done. But the movies that copied those movies, those are the ones I really can't deal with. I, mm. I don't I don't need the the unnecessary stuff because it's like I love zombie movies, but there's a purpose to a lot of them. I know there's a lot of movies that may rely on a, a number of a lot of you know gore, but some of them have a lot of purpose to why it's doing it. Others just do it for the sake of doing it, and that I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question here, last one from Jay. If you could pick one director to direct a week of your life, who would you pick? A week of my life? Yes. Hmm. I have two answers, but I want to hear you. Richard Linklater. Oh, okay. Boom, done. I already saw him, boy. Hood. <laughs> or Taika um, Waititi, sure. <laughs> oh, Taika Waititi, that'd be good. One. I think that that'd be fun. The first one I have is Werner Herzog, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and he would narrate it as well. Here he goes. Here he goes. He's walking. He's walking. And he's walking. Um, and Where is the, other, the other would be Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I like that answer, too. That'd just be fun. It'd be yeah. a fun week. Preferably in Lego. <laughs> Anna, is there a director you'd like to direct your life for a week? Um, I guess I'll go with um Christopher Nolan. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot of non- non-linear storytelling on your life. Yes. It's gonna be also like uh, it's gonna be over a week long. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be like three weeks. <laughs> okay. That was that enough feedback. 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 That was good. That was good stuff. Yeah. All right. Now it's um. What uh? What what time? What time is it over here, Abe? I feel like it might be time for uh, Anna and I to go head to head in the game. I can't play games against Aaron. He's got the questions. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, like, I can make up a game right now, and then you and Aaron can go ahead. Well, you can try that, but I'm going to do the game that I already prayed right here. And you guys are going to play. It is called The Lone Gunman. Interesting. And this is a game where I'm going to read quotes from a Hitman character in a Hitman-type movie. Mm. Pre- ideally, in the proper accent. <laughs> 
Oh, there's the accent thing. Okay. And you have to guess what movie it is. Okay. Okay. Do we all have to answer in Jamaican accents? No, you have to answer by shouting. I'm only going to answer in Jamaican accents. We don't need too many accents on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the first one. Okay. And remember, I'm going to be attempting the best impression I can of you. Okay. I believe you. Okay. Just buzz in with your name if you think you know it. Okay. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. Anna. Anna? John Wick. John Wick <laughs> is the correct answer. I'm so nervous. <laughs> you don't need to stare up. I, woke up. I mean, she okay. can't look at the paper. That's cheating. Here's the next. Here's the next one. You think I'm a hero? I am not a hero. And if you're smart, that scares you because I have nothing to lose. Abe. Abe. Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher yeah. is the correct answer. And I feel like I did a terrific Tom Cruise impression, but that's just you're me. not running. Okay, you're, I I was running. Oh, you were okay. Yeah, I was running and running it. Here's the next one. Remember accents. I'm looking for a man who calls himself Bucho, and that's all. And you had to do it the hard way. Abe. Abe. It's the second one. Yep. And it's called. Um, uh, is it called? Uh, Desperado. Desperado is the correct name. I was like, the lone gunman. <laughs> Here's the next one. You don't remember me. We spoke on the phone two days ago. I told you I would find you. <laughs> I was just waiting to see if you could go more on that one. <laughs> Wait, Anna? Yes. <laughs> taken? Taken is the correct answer. Could have been taken. Why would I use the obvious one? That'd be ridiculous. You get like that's such a long monologue. Why would I put all the effort into that if you get it right? I just want to hear the accent. <laughs> Alright, here's the next one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to find them and I'm gonna burn their playhouse down. Oh! <laughs> Anna. Yeah? Maybe my uh Denzel Washington. It's not that. No? Nope. Is it not that? Is it uh, Did you hear my impression? I know. Is, hey, is it, it uh, do it Abe? Again. Do it again. What, Abe? Is it the Wicker Man? No. That's not an assassin. No, right. I know, but it sounded like Nicholas Cage. Here we go. I'm going to find them, and I'm going to burn their playhouse down. Abe. Yeah? Face off. No. Say hi to your mother for me. Oh! My oh. God. oh no. <laughs> I can hear it. How did I not know that Mark Wahlberg was on the podcast? <laughs> I don't know the movie, though. The correct oh, answer. Wait. Well, you think you got it? Is it the big hit? No, no. Oh my gosh! It's, okay, just say it. The answer is shooter. When you said, when you said it again, when you said, <laughs> he doesn't talk like that in the movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's the next oh one. Okay. Here's the next one. Okay. Here we go. I can tell you the license plate number on all six cars outside. I can tell you that hey. our waitress left handed. Then the guy sitting at the t- the table, <laughs> the counter I mean, was two hundred fifteen pounds. It knows how to handle himself. I know the best place to look for a gun in the cab in the gray truck outside. And this altitude, I could run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? I don't how know. can I know that and not know who I am? <sighs> That's a tough one, Jason Bourne. <laughs> I need a movie. Jason Bourne, the Bourne Identity. Just the Bourne Identity. The Bourne Identity. Yeah, you got it. Okay. All right. I like Jason, the Bourne Identity. That should be his here's, here's the next one. The rifle is the first weapon you learned how to use because it lets you keep a distance from your client. The closer you get to being a pro, the closer you can get to the client. The knife, for example, is the last thing you learn. I don't know, but that sounds like a great training video. Is this... 
Is it Leon? It is Leon. That is correct. Oh, wow. All right. Yes. French accent. Here we go. Okay. Here's the next one. Okay. Last wish. I wish you had more time. <laughs> Anna, no. Anna? <laughs> you tell me this a lot. <laughs> uh, this is man under... Oh, wait. I'm going to get the title wrong now. He could man be under... Man under fire. <laughs> On fire? Yeah. Man yes. on fire. Man on you fire. He Aaron says that when we're in the car sometimes. He just he just shouts out, I wish you had more time. <laughs> Is there a bomb anywhere? <laughs> Remember? Because like what was it? Like a couple of months ago we watched it too and like Aaron was just saying it constantly. It's funny. It's a funny thing. I wish that you had more time. <laughs> Here's the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Rule number one. Never change the deal. Can you say that one again? Rule number one. Never change the deal. Uh, Abe. Abe? Sounds like Jason Statham. Yeah. As... So, who's the guy that drives everything? What is that movie called? You can take the steel. The driver? What? What is that movie called? There's like three of them. Wait, say it again. Rule number one. Never change the deal. Uh... Transporter. The transporter yes, is the thank correct you. answer. Anna, transporter. <laughs> transporter. Here's, here's the last one. Okay. Okay, look. Here's the deal, man. You were going to drive me around, never be the wiser, but El Gordo got in front of a window, did his high dive. So we're into plan B. Still breathing? Now we got to make the best of it. Improvise. Adapt to the environment. Darwin. Shit happens. I Ching. Whatever, man. We got to roll with it. Who would write something like that? Uh, Anna? Yeah. Like, I think I know the character's name. I'm trying to think. Collateral? Collateral is the collect answer. Collateral? Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh, this was like that was very good. stressful. <laughs> I think I lost. Maybe by two. I'm counting. <laughs> you did lose, Abe. <laughs> Anna, you were the week's winner. I mean, to be fair, yes, she's sitting right next to you. She's not, she's not been looking at the she's screen at all. probably looking at the screen. Oh, we should have had him on Skype. I she's been far off in the distance from this screen, so don't yeah, worry about I that. I believe you. I believe you. Oh my you. gosh. Like, my back person, like, crouching down. <laughs> <laughs> I won? Yes, you won. I don't think I ever won. You won now. What did she win, Aaron? You won a kiss from me. That is, <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> here's, here's a bonus question. Okay. What is the highest grossing film featuring assassins? Featuring assassins? Yeah. Is it the movie Assassins? No. Uh, it's not the movie Assassins. Let's say You have a good opportunity you have a good chance if you guess a Bourne movie, that's for sure. Really? What which one is the highest grossing film? Mm, the Bourne Legacy. The the, the Renner one? <laughs> the Renner one. <laughs> it's gotta be it! The second one is The Bourne Supremacy. That is the third highest grossing assassin oh, film. Well, I know the, third. What is it? the highest is The Bourne Ultimatum. Mm. The second highest is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Then The Bourne Supremacy. Would never have guessed that one. Yeah, it was It was a very successful movie. Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not a very good movie. <laughs> All right. Let's move on now. Let's get that on. Now, let's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and we have quite a few things here. First up, Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, I wish that it was better. It's not very good. 
Next up is Alice Through the Looking Glass. I didn't see it. It's it, it's it's marginally better than the first film. That's where I have okay. it. Okay. Uh, next up is Cafe Society. This is the latest Woody Allen film. Woody Allen thing, yeah. Yeah. Mixed I reviews, it was fine. right? It's bit, yeah, I thought it was fine overall. Like, it's not great, but it's better than the last couple. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and then is Our Kind of Traitor. This is a Ewan McGregor film from a book by Jean Le Carré. Okay. Um, I have this. I haven't watched it yet to review. Is it streaming? I feel like I... uh, no, it's well, streaming. No, it's, well, it's probably streaming now, but I mean, it just came out. Okay. As far as... uh, next up is the Marx Brothers Silver Screen Collection. So it's a number of Marx Brothers films now on Blu-ray for the first time. I am a huge Marx Brothers fan, and um, I actually have this on DVD. So, <laughs> But uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of the Marx Brothers, this is a good collection to pick up. Out on Criterion release this week, Pan's Labyrinth gets its for its Criterion edition release. Go see it. And uh, Shortcuts from Robert Altman. Shortcuts. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking Short Circuit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Criterion did not release Short Circuit. <laughs> but they released Shortcuts and Pan's Labyrinth. So okay. That's a good yeah. set of films right there. It's been a, October's been a very good month for Criterion. <laughs> um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, 15th Anniversary Edition. It's a new uh, 4K transfer. That's a good movie. It's a great movie, yeah. yeah. Great, yeah. Great. Out on Screen Factory this week, Child's Play. Uh, the first one gets the Screen Factory. They used to play that all the time during Halloween when I was growing up. Never liked it. <laughs> and uh, Nighthawks is now on Shout from Shout Factory. This is with uh, Stallone and Rutger Hauer. It's a, it's a solid thriller, for sure. And um, let's see, Bates Motel Season 4. It's on four so, seasons? Or it's it's going to be on five seasons? Yeah. Congratulations to those folks. They've been doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, The Night Of is on Blu-ray this week. This is the HBO series. If you watch episode one and you can get away with how many times Riz Ahmed's character does something stupid, then you can probably watch the rest of the series. But I just was like, I can't believe that he did this. Oh, no, he's doing that. I can't believe that he did that. And it's just like... But it's all stuff that he would realistically do no matter how stupid it is. I agree that to some point, you know, if you're in a tense situation that that stuff would happen or maybe your your brain just slips because you're just thinking about other things. But, man, there are so many times where I was just like, no, what are you doing? Just get your lawyer. <laughs> in any case, it's a very compelling series. So that's on Albert Blitz Presents out now. Next up, we have Extremely Cool. These are movies that are now on Netflix uh, that we can recommend that are streaming. Uh, first up is The 13th. I recommended this last week, but this is the new Ava DuVernay documentary mm-hmm. about the um, prison system in America and uh, uh, racial inequality. And uh, it's very good. I managed to watch it this week. And uh, it's a it's a very uh, very strong film, very very watchable for sure. There's a lot of people that talk on there that are you can listen to talk for a long time. Um, very good. Speaking about parables about racism and whatever isms, uh, Zootopia is out on Netflix as well. It is. I mentioned that previously. Last week? Uh, when it came out uh, okay. a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Uh, let's see. Mascots, I mentioned, is now on Netflix. Uh, there's a film. There's a documentary called Skyladder that I'm really interested in that's now on Netflix. It is from director uh, Kevin McDonald, I believe. Um, yeah, Kevin McDonald. He, uh, he directed Touching the Void. Okay, all right. Fantastic film, yeah. and along with a number of narrative. That's a documentary, a lot, or kind of a. It's it's a mix of things, and along with like, he uh, he also did like um, the Last King of Scotland, and uh, a number of uh, nice. really solid, nice. really solid. I like the. I, I managed to inter- interview him for um, the Black Sea a few uh, a couple years ago with like, Jude Law, um, but I, I like the director quite a bit, so I'm cool. looking forward to checking cool. out his newest thing. Glad to hear it. And uh, lastly, being George Clooney. What? This is, film that actually, this is a film that I got to see at Newport Beach Film Festival actually this past year. Um, it's a documentary that goes over 
be like there's like 16 different voice actors that all portray Clooney in different countries. And so it's, oh, a, it's a documentary. It's a it's a documentary <laughs> about about you know being um uh you know actors that dub that dub for other actors in other languages. Right. Right. And uh, I I thought it was a really interesting documentary. Um, it's specifically you know it's tied to George Clooney as far as the actors that portray him, but it goes over you know that 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 industry as a whole. I would love to. I mean that that's a great concept, and George Clooney is a is a very uh, terrific actor. Yeah. But I would love to see something like that for The Simpsons, because uh, it because <laughs> yeah. it's dubbed in like over probably 20 languages and i would love to see this does tackle that subject does have a lot of clips from george clooney movies and you hear you see all the the various actors doing those Mm -hmm. doing those performances so it's it's a good it's a good watch yeah i'll have to check it out i think it's only only 80 something minutes or something like that okay okay all right so with that out of the way next week's show next week we're talking jack reacher colon never go back boo i was thinking that we were talking about boo medea halloween no that's not what we're gonna talk about No matter how much, yeah, I, I'm trying to get Jordan back on Jordan Grau, friend of the show, to watch the show. A Medea Halloween. Well, he suggested that we should talk Boo Medea Hall. He's like, no, we're not going to do that. But if you want to watch Jack Reacher, you can go see that and then talk about it on this show. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think he has one of our best bloopers talking about a previous Tyler Perry movie, also from like back in the like the first season of this podcast. The first so, season. Of this. First season, you know. <laughs> What's well, I guess we're on season five now. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. We've got uh, a contract. But yeah, Jack Reacher. I'm excited for Jack Reacher. I'm excited too. We both like the first one. Yeah, the first one's solid. So. Yeah. I used yeah. to watch it all the time when it was back on Amazon Prime streaming. I'm looking forward to watch. I haven't watched it in a bit, so I'm looking forward to watching it yeah. this week before I see the new one. I mean, he should have known. Not even he thought about it. <laughs> but okay. With that out of the way, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Anna, is there a film in theaters people should see right now? Well, I'm going to take from your show notes, Queen of Cathaway, because that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know like a lot of people aren't really in known of that film. Like, I had a friend... It was like, oh my gosh, this is a film? How come no one's seeing it? So I was like, yeah, you should go see it. I'd recommend it. So, Queen of Catway. All right. Are you seeing something next? Uh, I don't think so. At I'm some point watching... we'll see some. Probably, if I think Doctor Strange might be like the next thing we probably see. Doctor together. Strange. But in the meantime, I am watching films for the festival, so, but I can't talk about those. Oh, you cannot? <laughs> oh, I was going to ask, is there one that you like a lot? Yeah, <laughs> there is, but. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a bunch of people go and see in theaters right now. Um, it's kind of a mixed bag because there's not a whole lot of stuff that uh, has been blowing me away. But uh, I guess, yeah, Queen of Cotway, I've heard great things about that from Aaron and Anna. Uh, and I guess Deepwater Horizon. I mean, people seem to really enjoy that. So Did you not see it? I haven't seen it yet. Is it is it worth viewing? Yeah. Okay. It is worth it, especially for all the action in it. Yeah, it's good to see on a big screen. Okay. I can't wait for the next uh, uh, pair up between the two. That's coming out like what next year? Early? No, it comes out Christmas. Christmas? Yeah, Patriots, Patriots Day comes Day? out Christmas. Wow. Yeah. But Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg were busy this year, apparently. Yeah, yeah, very busy. So yeah, I guess those two. Um, and then next, yeah, Jack Reacher never go back. I keep on seeing, I keep on seeing a whole bunch of ads for Ouija, but probably not going to see that. Um, I will say Queen of Cotsway and The Birth of a Nation are the films I would recommend right now. In theaters, and the next film I am seeing is Ouija: Origin of Evil, and I'm quite look. I'm, this is probably the most I've looked forward to a, a sequel to a film that was on my worst of the year list. Why is that? Because Mike Flanagan's directing it, who directed Hush and Oculus, and other oh, okay. films that I really like. And I've heard good things about Ouija so far, so I'm, 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 you know, I'm not expecting the best thing. But given that I really hated the first film, the fact that this film has a director I really enjoy behind it 
doesn't seem to be connected to that film beyond the fact that it's just another of these movies, uh, regardless of the characters involved. <laughs> like I, I am looking forward. I'm more I'm more excited for Ouija than I feel like I, I should I should be. Cool. Hopefully it'll pay off. Hush is the Netflix movie, right? That's on Netflix right, right now. Yeah, it's quite good too. That's a, okay. I want to recommend. And uh, with that, so that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find my written movie reviews there. Uh, also at whysoblue.com for Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me writing daily at Screen Rant and on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff over at twitter.com slash walrusmoose or find me on Instagram at uh, oakleydoakley. And follow Aaron over at Screen Rant and or thecodeazeek.com. <laughs> Thanks. Anna, where can people find more of your work online? You can follow me on Twitter at Right to Recite, and also every now and then, if I see a film um, in advance for the festival, you can find some of my reviews on the Newport Beach Film Festival blog. Great. You can find all the other episodes about Now with Aaron and Abe over on Audio Boom as well as on iTunes. You can listen to us over at HHWLOD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts that you may have had uh, concerning the accountant or anything else we talked about this week over at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can interact with us and post on our walls over at Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast or tweet us at Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page for some reason at OutNowPodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> Anna, thank you very much for chiming in with us this thank week. Thank you, Anna. It was a fun morning. No, thank you for having me, Aaron and Abe. It was fun. I won. You did. You, you did. won the game. <laughs> you, you made Abe look like a fool. Oh. <laughs> I just assassinated That – oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, like, she turned around, she asked me, like, if I have an opinion about something, and then she blew my head off. Way to take it dark, Abe. (laughs) (laughs) Dark? Pulp Fiction dark? (laughs) But it was fun. All right. So, until next time, when we get to Jack Reachering with Never Going Back-ing, that's going to do it. So I didn't know that those were verbs. (laughs) Until then, so long. And goodbye. Bucka, 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 bucka. You know the deal? This is me, dog. Beast by Supremo for all of my people, Negroes and Latinos, and even the gringos. Yo, check it, one for Charlie Hustle, two for Steady Rock, three for the fourth coming live, future shock. It's five dimensions, six senses, seven from a mess of heaven to hell, eight million stories to tell, nine planets faithfully keep an orbit with the probable tenth. The universe expands length, the body of my text possess extra strength, power lift the powerless up out of this towering inferno. My ink so hot it burned through the journal, I'm black at midnight on Broadway your Myrtle. Hip-hop past all your tall social hurdles like the nationwide Projects, prison industry complex Working class poor better keep your alarm set Streets too loud to ever hear freedom ring Say it back in with your sleep It's dangerous to dream for cha-ching Cats get they cha-bow You dead now Killing fields need blood to graze the cash cow It's a numbers game but shit don't add up somehow Like I got 16 to 32 bars to rock it But only 15% of profits ever seen my pockets Like 69 billion in the last 20 years Spent on national defense But folks still live in fear Like nearly half of America's largest cities is one quarter the black, that's why they gave Ricky Ross all the crap. 16 ounces to a pound, 20 more to a key. A five minute sentence here, and then you're no longer free. 40% of Americans own a cell phone, so they can hear everything that you say when you ain't home. I guess Michael Jackson was right. This is where play some of the trailer for the accountant. Your son is a very special person. Would it be okay if he stayed with me here for a little bit? No. 
that would not be that made me laugh so much. <laughs> <laughs> like when the father's like, no. Yeah, he's like, who says no to this? <laughs> yeah, it's like your son needs help. <laughs> it's like the world is 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 a mean place, and, and you've got to either make a decision. Or I don't know how else it goes. And then the, the, the piano music, exactly, the piano music starts playing. Boom. Who is this guy? Tell me what you see. It's the same guy. He's known as the... <laughs> and then the action gun play. <laughs> the accountant. 